Hey traders, David Frost, my strategic forecast. You're here for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. Today is Monday, October 3, 2022. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. What do we have on the docket today? We have a lot of stuff on the docket. Today is what they call around the trading parlots as a rally day. As such, we're going to discuss a number of things. A, where did this rally come from? B, were we surprised? C, what was the interwebs indicator saying? We talked about this last week. I'm going to rehash it all over again. And then we'll discuss what if. What if this is a more protracted bounce, meaning they put in a pretty decent low at least for a while? We'll look around the horn. We'll talk about a lot of other things. We'll get into some philosophy. Might throw in a conspiracy theory or two. And at the end of the day, you should have a pretty good handle on where we are with the tape. Is anything jumping off the page on the daily chart? And the answer is, well, yeah, kinda. They put in a pretty good low last week at the end of the week. Now, here's the thing. This is where the, is anybody surprised thing comes in. So we've been talking about looking for at least a short-term slash interim low, and it was to come in last week. At the worst case, at the end of the week, worst, worst case like today. We talked about this about three or four times last week, and look what happened at the end of the week. For this, we come over to a weekly chart, and we see they finally came in to run a test of the 200-period weekly moving average. They actually closed the week below it. Generally speaking, under normal market conditions, that's a bearish signal. However, what were we looking for? We were looking for some kind of a low. And by the way, I'll make mention that inside the numbers, members were privy to 357.50, which was a, a target on the downside. We were talking about that number ad nauseum in the notes inside the numbers. And if you read the notes throughout the week, you would have seen that number come up over and over. It was unfinished business. They went and finished the business. They closed terrible on the week. And then what do we have leading into this week? We have the DCB slash dead cat bounce that morphed into more of a squeeze type of operation during the trading day. But we have a lot of stuff going on. We have a secretive Fed meeting to the banks that was supposedly taking place today. I believe it was announced either Friday or Saturday. They were having some kind of meeting to talk about something relating to the stuff that's going on now. So here's the situation on that. If in fact it's actually true that the Fed announced a meeting they were having with the banks, then there's a real underlying issue that they're not telling us about. If, in fact, the Fed announced a meeting with the banks to make everybody believe that they're coming to the rescue, therefore the markets bounce up, buying begets buying, all that stuff, well, that's scenario number two. That would fall into the conspiracy theory stuff. Do I know whether the Fed had the meeting or not with the banks? I have no idea. Do I know what they were talking about? I have no idea. But it certainly had to do with interest rates, lending and borrowing of money, and the overall trajectory of what's going on in the banking world and where they're linked or not linked to the issues in Europe. 
It's some combination of that if they had a meeting at all. What am I talking about with the situation in Europe? We'll take a sidebar and we'll talk specifically about Credit Suisse. Credit Suisse has been having their credit spreads explode. What's a credit spread? Think of it like this. It's insurance against a default for bondholders or for other debtors of the bank, not stockholders. As you see, the stock is four bucks, and if you take a look at the monthly chart, it's dripping away into bankruptcy. It'll likely be nationalized or Europeanized or whatever they're gonna do with this bank, but the reality is, is this bank is probably past the point of return. That's what the charts are saying. Once it drops below five bucks, it's generally curtains. As we know, the global banking system is interconnected, so who's got exposure to Credit Suisse here in the US? Which banks have exposure to what might happen with Credit Suisse? We don't know, but is that the reason for the meeting today or the suggestion of a meeting today? Again, we don't know. Again, this is conspiracy theory discussion. It's fun, unless of course you've been long Credit Suisse. Let's get back to the S&P 500 and let's go over the thing in detail. So let's take a look at the close today and see if there was anything significant there. So the close was 366.61. By its number by itself, it's not really significant. However, it is somewhat significant when you look at a different type of chart. Now it shows up on the daily chart, it shows up on all charts, but it's more obvious on a different one, but I'll show you here. The high of this particular breakdown candle is 367.11. So they ran a test of it, they spiked above it, stayed there for a while, but yet by the closing bell, sold off pretty good when you look at it at a short-term basis, they sold off pretty nicely to get below and close below that breakdown candle high just above 367. Now you'll notice something else when we get to inside the numbers. 367, give or take, was actually a target today for traders that were long. That's right, we'll talk about traders that were long and where they got long around the lows of day, give or take, and that was during the morning shakeout operation. We'll get to that in a few moments. Keep your pants on. Let's get back to that 367 and change number again. So I bring up the hourly chart and you see a more pronounced breakdown candle so I can explain it using this for visual purposes. Same candle as the daily chart, same high. The high is 367.11, and you can see what happened. They ran a test of this, or tried to at least, before, right up here. They failed, came back down. So we were eyeballing this number earlier in the week. However, they did it again today on the gap higher, the retest of a pivot. We'll talk about all this stuff. And then they run up to 367.11. They spike it. They get into some higher numbers. This is called no man's land in between the gap up here and the window of the gap down here is no man's land they got halfway into no man's land retreated by the close to close below the breakdown candle high there's no accidents or coincidences that's exactly and precisely what happened today doesn't mean it's bearish or bullish one way or the other it's just what happened we take what happened at face value and the fact that that happened we know it's important, meaning the number's important, because they couldn't close above it today. They ran down with just minutes left or a half hour left in the trading day to close below that number. That reinforces, at least to me, 
the importance of that breakdown candle high. So we want to know about that 367.11. Let's say, for example, on Tuesday, you open up above 367.11. Well, the door is going to be open to fill the gap where? Right here. Closing price, 370.53. And therefore, that's why that 367.11 is important. It gets into no man's land. It's the doorway or gateway into no man's land. What happens if they're not opening up above 367.11 tomorrow? What happens if we're in a pullback operation? Well, pullbacks are normal garden variety things that happen in the market. So let's again take a look at the hourly chart, for example. And we can do this on the daily chart, but it's a little stretched out in the hourly. It's better for the visual. So what we would say is if they're coming down doing a normal garden variety retracement, we would look at where those retracement prices are. Let's just say there's a shallow pullback into these moving averages. That's one thing we could look at from a short-term basis, this area right here, as the last breakout area in the sequence. They started eating time off the clock, they started to break out, and they may come back to run a test of the most recent breakout area. That's certainly a plausible and feasible solution for a pullback operation. Let's say it was a deeper pullback. They wanted to scare the bejesus out of everybody. We know that the market does that. Mrs. Market does that. Plus, the market's job is to trick, trap, fool, and frustrate everybody they can. Their job is to make as many traders and investors look like fools as much of the time as possible. So let's say they're coming down farther. Maybe it's a 50% retrace. Maybe it's a 618 retrace. Where would that take price? Well, a 618, for argument's sake, would take price to about 361.5, just for argument's sake. So what is that doing? You start to get into, and watch this, I'm going to teach you a couple of things in one fell swoop. You're going to get what's called a twofer, two for the price of one. So here, 361.50 would represent about a 618 retracement within pennies. It's close enough. Also, you start getting into the bottom portion of this hourly chart breakup candle. But wait, there's more. Remember, big fat round numbers count. 360 is a big fat round number. It's not 361.50, but it's 360. It's not that far away. Now watch this. What if I put a channel? It's just a sideways channel. It's a range. The market goes up and it goes down. It's been trading in a range. It goes down, goes up. We'll call this approximately. It's not an exact science. I'm trying to issue a concept. This is the top of the range. The market goes up to the top of the range, comes down to the bottom of the range. It banters back and forth. And then one might say, well, what about that candle all the way down here where they ran into the 200-period moving average on the weekly chart? Yeah, that was one candle out of the range. Then they popped right back up. So as far as I'm concerned, this is still a bona fide range. And if... It's a big if. We don't know that they will, but it's an if. We're in the preparation phase. It's the pregame warm-up routine even the night before. If the market came to the bottom of that range one more time in a pullback operation, again, they'd be running a normal garden variety retracement somewhere in the vicinity of in the lows, toward the lows, in the ballpark of the lows of the last hourly chart, breakup candle low. You see how this works? There's a lot of stuff going on if they're having a pullback. Now, if they're having a pullback and they start blowing through stuff, that's different. But we use these numbers to see how the market reacts at those numbers. Do they bounce off of them? Do they start closing candles below, which opens the door for lower stuff? 
So we can't gauge it until we're in a real-time type of situation. But when you have a pre-game warm-up plan, and if we wake up tomorrow and you see the market trading down there, the light bulb will go on and you say, all right, wait a minute. They might not be just falling apart yet. This may be a normal garden variety retracement looking to shake out the Johnny-come-latelys. Who were the Johnny-come-latelys? Johnny-come-latelys are the ones that bought the market this afternoon. A, they've already got a cupcake in the face from the last half hour downtrend, causing the market to close below that coveted 367.11 number. And if Mrs. Market really wants to take Johnny out behind the woodshed, she'll hit him again tomorrow morning, run a garden variety retrace. Everybody's out. She turns around, goes back up again on a successful shakeout operation. By the way, that's the way the market works the majority of the time. How do you like dem apples? All right, we're checking out inside the numbers. Pretty simple, straightforward stuff from an inside the numbers perspective. Happy Monday. After an early dip downward last night, it's in a flattish tape at zero dark 30. That's fine. Let's start with the big picture at the end of last week. It took forever, but they finally did the thing where they spike 358, the weekly 200 period moving average. Since the major trend is down, first we'll cover the downside. 357.50 is our bull bear pivot this morning. It was an important number before. That's not in the notes. I'm ad-libbing now. Remember, it was unfinished business, still important, and now, today, in the early going, was going to be a pivot if they were going to bring it into play. Below, the door opens for other stuff. We don't have to worry about that. They didn't do that. So therefore, we'll go right to the flip side. If we have a rescue operation at any point, we'll keep our eye on a couple of things. First, a recapture of 360, big fat round number, that would be a starting point. Remember, forget where they closed the day today, they closed up a lot of points around 366 and change. But early this morning, they weren't there. So getting above 360.75 on candle closes is an awareness and fuel for a possible squeeze operation all the way to 365. Now, keep this in mind. That's over 40 S&P handles from this place at 360.65 or 75, even longer from where they actually were at the time I wrote this. Why do I say that? Because we have one of our shenanigans tail candles. Good thing I took a snapshot of it because they wiped it off the board. I even sent it out to that Twitter verse. There it is with the picture in the morning. This is the after image. This is when they reached 365, and you can see the phony shenanigans tail candle right in here. Here's the tweet I sent out before the rally. This was in the pre-market, and here's the shenanigans tail candle before the opening bell. So let's move along, see what happens. Nine o'clock, here's where they are. They started to rally, so above 360.75, and the door is officially open for 365, which we'll call a target. This is before the opening bell. So now you get the concept. Let's fast forward a little bit, see what happens. We have some zones of resistance. We'll go over that real quick. This is still even pre-market. So you have the entire layout before the opening bell. Who does that? Let's move along. Let's get to the juicy stuff. There was a possible trade on both sides of the tape today, depending on what they did around the opening bell. So if they ran up into the zone at the opening bell, the zone mentioned at 917 in here, that would have been a potential short trade. But 
if they ran down to the pivot, 360.75, and this became our pivot as the morning grew on. Here it is, 9 o'clock. We'll call 360.75 our pivot. All right, let's get back to that other thing. So what you see at 921 is if they pull back down to 360.75 first, it could represent a long trade but higher risk, taking shorts off the table. 932, 360 is a line in the sand for lower prices or a bounce. On candle closes, not just a spike. 359.60 is a number that can be tested. Getting below isn't good for the bounce case. 359.60. There's your five-minute chart. Right of the vertical is today's activity. There's your 359.60. They spiked it. They reversed. They didn't spend much time down there at all. The rest is history. So we're looking at the pivot about a dollar higher. In between, you had 360, a big fat round number. And Jordan and folks in the room, traders in the room, were buying the market down there with a target in mind if they got back above the pivot on candle closes that the target was 365 or higher. And what you'll see later on in the notes is that 365 wasn't only just a target, but they could have gone higher. They did go higher. It wasn't necessarily a short trade. Target doesn't mean short. Target means exit long trades. You can hold a trailer. That's trader's choice. Closing candles back above 360.75 is good for the bull case, at least for a retest of the morning highs. And this is the way we map out the morning. You take it one leg at a time, one step at a time, one candle at a time. Traders who are long from down there need to book profit along the way. Nice trade in the room on buying the shakeout operation. At the time, we're looking around the horn. IWM and transports are leading the charge. There you have it. You know what happens, so the rest is history. Read the notes. Go back to the chart to double-check the work. If you're active in the market during the trading day, then this is information that you can utilize to your benefit to do what? To make positive trades. Profit. That's what this is all about. Not going to win every trade, but do you have the information where you're winning the majority of the trades? I'll let you answer that. 125, and that was the end of the day because there's nothing else to do in the afternoon. They're floating higher, light volume. They got to the target already. So what happens? They're still hanging around 365. The longer they do this, the more likely there's another leg higher. And they did take somewhat of another leg higher only to come back towards the end of the day. Not to 365, but just back off the highs. Did we know about 367? Of course, the 1210 post above 365 and the door opens again for first 365.62, which wasn't far away, and then 367, give or take, and they actually went higher. They did everything that the doors were open for them to do. They just waltzed on through. What about stocks on the move today? We had four possibilities, but only one hit its price objective, and that's okay. We're on the front end of about to get into earnings season. We like earnings season because earnings season creates volatility in stocks. Volatility in stocks creates opportunity for traders. That's the way it works. UPS, ABB, and LOGI didn't do their entry objective deal, so we'll only look at Tesla. The other ones are off the board. As you can see, 245 was the number in Tesla. They came into it. They spiked it. They gave the minimum required base hit, kind of a stand-up double. They made a high of 249.34, up over 4 bucks. so it's a good trade. But what they did all day long was hang around the lower prices. They never really got much of a rally going. They just had some bounces along the way and they hung out for a cup of coffee. So what does that tell us? 
That tells us there's something else going on in Tesla since they had relative weakness today and there are lower numbers in the offing until proven otherwise by getting above 255 and change. By the way, back to the SPY for a moment before we get to Camp IWM and company. A lot's going to be predicated on whether or not we get follow-through tomorrow. So if we get follow-through and they start rallying, this is going to become a very important pivot. 372.30 on this day, which was the 28th of September, they tried to rally. They finished positive on the day. It was a pretty good fake-out operation. If they can eclipse that high, they'll open the door for higher prices up to in the neighborhood of 378 to 380. Again, one step at a time, one candle at a time. They didn't do that today. We're projecting forward a little bit, giving you the what-if scenario. Camp IWM, it's all the same market. They were getting a bounce. In fact, they had relative strength against the S&P early in the day. You found it in the notes, as did the folks down at the transportation department. But by the end of the day, they finished not far from each other in percentage terms. It was a widespread rally day. It was a risk-on day. It was a relief rally, a dead cat bounce. All those things, we have to keep that in mind. When you look at the IWM, you see this. That's the first thing I see. I see a bearish, flaggish pattern that may trade in a channel for a while longer, but if they start breaking the lows, there's going to be an entirely new and improved leg lower. And just like the SPY, if they can get above the high on the 28th, that'll produce another suction to the upside into some other prices. Namely, they'll work their way into that 20-period moving average for starters. Thought I'd slip this in there. This is a chart of USO, which tracks at least somewhat the price of crude oil. So we were long from about a week ago in USO. You see the number at 65. That's the entry number. Some traders took it with options and they were handsomely rewarded this morning. You say, hey, did you participate in the upside of the market? Yeah, we bought oil, a commodity, rather than taking on the equity risk. There's a method to the madness. Why was that? Well, if we go back to the SPY chart, I know I'm jumping around things here, but I want to point something out. Markets crash from low levels. We talk about this all the time. They crash from very depressed prices. After they've been going down a lot, then the rubber band snaps. That's the story that we tell from time to time whenever the market gets into this scenario where if the rubber band breaks, there's a whole nother leg to the downside. You were at that point where it's either going to snap back or it's going to break. The breaking is the crash scenario. And therefore, rather than take on the equity risk, I chose to do it with USO slash crude oil for a host of other reasons, but it served the purpose. So USO was up about 4% today and the SPY was up about 2.75%. So that worked out in our favor. What am I talking about? The lazy swing trader. It was a choice of either buy the USO or buy the USO options using the $65 strike price. How you doing? We make money here. On to the folks down at the transportation department, and I'll say it right out of the chute. A, what's jumping off the daily chart at me? And B, it is my favorite canary in the coal mine. Why do I say this? Because I'm looking at that same candle from the 28th of September, and look where they are. They already ran a test of the high of that candle today. Didn't close above, but that's okay. 
They ran a test. Doesn't mean they can't get above tomorrow or later in the week or whenever. They ran a test. They're ahead of the other markets. And that's why it jumped off the page at me because it's my second favorite market leading indicator. The IWM is a number one, but this is my canary in the coal mine. Still, the big picture is a bounce and a downtrend for now. They'll run into the 20 period moving average if they can get above the high from the 28th on a closing basis. That'll suffice as a new launch pad for another leg higher. You get it? Launch pad, transports, rocket ride, all that stuff. Come on. What about the Q people? It's all the same market. They're pretty far, though, from that 28th high. And by the way, they had relative weakness today, not relative strength, but relative weakness today against the SPY. Not by much, but just of note. It's a little tiny puzzle piece. I'm putting it on the table. We're the umpire calling balls and strikes. We take a look at both sides of the tape. There's no masking tape here. It's all transparent. XLF, the financials are getting a boost. Why is that? Because of the whole emotional slash media thing about the Fed and the banks. And the concept is that the media will ride the wave that the Fed is going to ease. They're going to come to the rescue. They're going to make things right, whatever. Everybody always wants the Fed to be the backstop. The Fed has historically been a put against the market that eventually will come to an end how long this rally lasts and how long and for what period of time they lay this on the Fed if they continue to rally remains a mystery. We'll see. But as long as the Fed is perceived to be the backstop, the banks will catch a bid. This is the chart of TLT. So the bond market was rallying today. Interest rates were down and the banks were up. Therefore, we can't pin the rally on the fact that interest rates were up, which is a direct benefit to the balance sheet or profit and loss statement of the banks because rising interest rates gives them profit by accident because people with floating rate loans have to pay more. That's the easy to understand concept. And it's not just floating rate loans, it's new loans issued because as rates go up on a floating basis, meaning market rates, their borrowing costs didn't change. So they borrow at X, they lend at Y. If Y goes up by market forces, They get the benefit to the bottom line. But that's not what happened here because the bond market was rallying today. Oh, by the way, Lazy Swing Trader members did buy the TLT. It was a second buy, albeit, but we bought the TLT late last week. Where? Around the lows. Can I get a, how you doing? What about Smash Mouth? Same routine. It's all the same market. They're all going to be up and down together, not to the same magnitude. So Smash Mouth had a nice day up 3.5% or so. They're going to challenge the same high from the 28th like all the other markets, but it will be the tell if they can or cannot get above what? We'll call it an even 200. If they can run a test of 200 and they fail, that's one thing. If they can run a test of 200 and start closing candles above 200, that's a whole nother ball game going on. 200 is the bogey. If I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you without you, These videos are not even possible. That is true and accurate information. We're pulling the ripcord here today. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis.